0: Okay. And maybe, well, maybe not my most embarrassing moment. Okay. Sometimes we phrase it like the moment that I want to die. When I was in college, I graduated from the University of Washington here in 2006. Go dogs. Almost 11 years ago, I was single post-college. And what happens when you're single and Tinder has not been invented yet? Your friends set you up on dates. Okay, so I went to a bar called The Zoo in East Lake, and a friend of mine and his fiance at the time, I did not know I was getting set up, but when I showed up at the bar, I was getting set up. And I can tell I'm getting set up, because as they're introducing this girl to me, they're talking me up big time to her. And nobody has ever talked me up like this, so I go, well, this is obviously a setup. But I'm single, she seems nice, cute girl, I think, what the heck, let's have a fun night. End up talking for a couple hours, seemed great. At the end of the night, I was like, This is great. We made another date for the following weekend. And then we go outside. I was like, Hey, let me help you catch a cab home. For those of you that don't know what a cab is, it's kind (laughs) of like Uber. um, But you can't, you have to just go out on the street and find one. There's no need for it anymore. Um, but as, as we're, I'm helping her catch a cab, she's, uh, I'm like, hey, so what are you up to this weekend? She says, well, I'm free this weekend uh, because my son is staying at his dad's house. And so um, I, I have the whole weekend do nothing. And I'm thinking, I must have missed that in like multiple hours of conversation. <laughs> This was like a very slight detail that got away from me. Now, here's the deal. I got a buddy of mine who got married to a girl that already had a kid and and is great. He's a fantastic dad. I think that's a great way to build a great family unit. And that can happen and, and is awesome. If you come from a family like that, great. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that situation. But for me, newly out of college, I'm thinking, I am barely like responsible enough to feed myself during the day. Okay, or take care of myself. How am I, like, I don't know if I'm ready in my life like to date somebody that has a kid already. I just, I, I don't think I'm responsible enough to do that. And so I think, I don't know if there's a future here, but I really don't wanna be that guy. And all of a sudden I, I find that out and then I cancel the date we had. So I was like, okay, I'm going on the date and then I'll just kind of slowly ease my way out of it. Well, our date was to a, a restaurant on 85th and Greenwood called Gordito's. Okay. Now, I don't know if anyone has ever been there. I don't even know if it's still around, but it's still there. Yeah. Okay. They have this burrito that they say is the size of a child. Okay. You can put up the picture. It's the size of a baby. It's called the baby burrito, but that's just a trick. It's a giant burrito. That's the size of a baby. And it's at this place, Gorditos. Also, I love, I love that it says healthy Mexican food. If you're going to eat anything the size of a baby, it's not healthy anymore. Anyways, we were going there because at, at the restaurant on the first night, or the, at the bar, she said, I bet I could eat more than you. And I thought, like, i spent my whole life training to eat more than you. Uh, and she claimed, oh, yeah, 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 I could definitely eat more than you. So I said, fine, we're going to Gordito's. We're going to see if anyone can finish the whole burrito. So on our date, it's a challenge. We both order one of these burritos, and she eats like a tenth of the burrito. I at least finish half of mine, which I think is very respectable for how big it is. Okay, and afterward, uh, you know, we, we leave and, and uh, we're going back to her place and I'm dropping her off and she says, hey, do you want to come in? I say, sure. So we're hanging out in her place and, and <sighs> <laughs> this is the part of the story. Okay, how do we say this? Um, so anyways, I'm thinking, okay, this is a good time for me to like let her down. And the best way to let her down is like not like like make out or anything like in that general facility, which I did not. I think of myself as a good upstanding man. And after a little bit of just kind of hanging out, talking, she's like, oh, you can stay. You can stay as long as you want. Like, this is going so great. And I was like, I really can't. This isn't going anywhere for me. And I really, I don't want to stay. I'm I'm going to take off. I know this sounds bad, but that was just a small version. I'm sure it was very poetic in the moment. And so I eventually uh, have to really let her down and say, I gotta go. And she's pretty sad, I leave. But then I'm kinda, I'm thinking, no, no, I, I should go back. So I go back, I knock on the door, she opens it up. Oh my gosh, I knew you'd come back. And I say, I forgot the rest of my burrito in your fridge. Can I, can I take my leftovers home? Okay, you don't know how big the burrito is. You would do the same thing. Did you see how big it was? It was the size of a human life. That's a, that's a lot of money. No, I, That was three more meals for me. Yeah, that wasn't my proudest moment, I'll be honest. Um, it is a true story, though. And one of the more awkward moments, the long, awkward walk to the fridge. Was uh was about ten seconds, it felt like a couple days. It was worth it, I think, in my mind. Thank you for the question. It was a moment though that I wanted to die, I'll say that. A moment that it wasn't embarrassing necessarily in the moment, but we, we get in these moments where we think, uh oh, I just want to die. I want to die, I do not want to be here, I want to hide under a rock. I wish life would end in this moment. That is not the feeling we're looking for. I know it. None of us are coming here tonight looking for that feeling. None of us want to be in a situation where we wanna die. We're gonna make a very rough transition into our series here. (laughs) If you you are joining us for the first time tonight, welcome, we're excited you're here. We are in our second week of a four-week series that we are calling Life Out of Death. Okay, last week we talked about this idea of transition and how that can feel like a death for some of us, but how God can actually use that for a new opportunity that can present us with life. Tonight we're gonna to take that a little bit further. We're gonna look at a very practical example of a way that this happens. And I think as we sit here tonight, for most of us who are in college and who are looking for life and are excited about the discovery of life and everything that it has to offer, I think we're really on board with this life idea. I don't think I need to talk anybody into this life idea here tonight. It's the, it's the death part that is not quite as exciting for us. I think the questions coming out of last week were, okay, let's pair these things together. Do we have to experience any sort of death in our life? Does there have to be death to things in order for us really to understand life to the full in Jesus? Or can we just skip over all that peace and, and just experience life? That's all I want. That's a great question. I'm not gonna answer everything about that question. But I think it is interesting a week that, that we're about a week and a half out from Easter, a big moment for those of us that, that follow Jesus and believe in Jesus, about a point where death really led to life for us. And, and tonight I want to look at another practical way that, uh, that Jesus can, can bring life to us, but, but that it might be a little bit tricky. We might, we might discover him in a place that we did not expect. And so I'm going to jump into our text for tonight. Uh, we are going to read out of the book of John. Last week we started in the Old Testament. We're going to jump to the New Testament, one of the four accounts of the life of Jesus. We call it the Gospel of John. It's his account of, of, of the life of Jesus. And, and what's happening in this text uh, as we get to John 15 is that Jesus has been walking with these guys and, and people for uh, about three years. And it's getting to the end of his time with them, and and he knows he's about to head to the cross. It's kind of the next big thing. He doesn't have much time left. And so he has this this dinner with these close friends of his. And after the dinner, I I picture him in this moment, we don't get a ton of detail, but I picture him leaving that dinner, going for a walk at nighttime with with his close friends, going, guys, I'm, I'm gonna give you everything I got. This is it, I'm leaving soon. I care so much about you. I, wa- wanna, I wanna give you some final thoughts. And so they're walking, maybe, who knows exactly, but, but they're walking and, and uh, you know I picture kind of the moonlight late at night, walking through a vineyard and all of a sudden Jesus stops and uses what's around him as a very practical example to explain the way that he works in our life. And this is what Jesus says. He says, guys, I want you to hear this. is so important. Just like the vines around us, I am the true vine. And my father, he's like the gardener. He is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it so that it will be even more fruitful. Now listen, you guys are already clean. You're already clean because of my words what I've done for you. I've spoken these words. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Okay, this is what I picture happening, okay? This is, uh, if Jesus was here in present day uh, in our world and environment, this is, I think, what this would sound like to us. Some of this, it makes perfect sense to us, but, but here's kind of what I think he might sound like to us. And, and uh, I, I kind of have a coach's mentality, I want you to know. It's kind of, well, I got to coach football for one year, high school football last year, super fun. This might be my coach's kind of moment of me picturing him kind of about, like final conversation with these guys before sending them out uh, into the game, perhaps. That's what I think it sounds like. Okay, here's what I want you to know. I'm about to leave. I'm about to leave and I'm not gonna be with you anymore. And I've just spent the last three years making an investment in your life and showing you everything I have. And we've had this great personal relationship, but I'm gonna leave and no longer will you have this face-to-face relationship with me in the present. Instead, I'm going to send my spirit Okay, and the spirit is going to work and it's going to allow us to have a relationship even though I'm not physically present with you. And in that relationship, you still get the opportunity for a relationship with me just because I'm not here. I am going to be in you. I'm gonna make my home with you. I'm gonna remain in you and I'll be with you always. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to remain in this relationship even though it's not gonna feel all the time like a real physical relationship because I'm not present with you, but my spirit is and allows us to have this relationship. And you're going to find life from that relationship. It's going to do something for you. It's gonna provide a deep satisfaction and joy. You're going to get life out of that if you stay close to me, if you remain in this relationship. But the problem is, is that you're here on earth with all this stuff, great stuff. I've created so much good stuff in this world. and and But you're gonna be around this stuff and I've wanted you to, to steward all these things that I've created, they're good. Guys, relationships, I have for you, they're good. Money, it's good. Jobs, I want you to work. I want you to be able to provide for your family. I want you to have a family if that's something for you. I create all these things. Sex, this is good. I created this. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. You are going to actually start going to those things, not just to steward them, but you're going to try to make them the source of your life. You're gonna to try to ask them to do something for you that they were never intended to do. And you're gonna look at them and try to have them be the thing that feeds you when I'm the only thing that can provide that life. And I want you to enjoy the things of this world. Now, some of these things are killing you. Guys, some of these things are just killing you right now. And I'm not trying to take away your fun i not trying to say that when you're in college or when you're living this life that you can't have fun, but some of these things are just, are just killing you. And if you remain in me, I'm gonna start making a few little cuts. I might start cutting some of these things out because they're not, they're not what you think they are. And some of these things are inherently good things of the world, but you are asking them to do too much. And if you remain in me, I might cut out even some of these good things because you're expecting them to fill you in a way that they never were intended to. I'm the only thing that can do that. Remain in me and I will will breathe life into you. I will be the source of life. It's going to be hard, but that's my hope as I leave. Sort of picture Jesus saying to us in the midst of this text. Now let's go to this pruning analogy. It's kind of an interesting one. Uh, I did not understand pruning until I owned a home in Orange County. uh, And the last five years, when we moved in, I was super excited because we had citrus trees. My whole life living in Washington, we did not get citrus trees. Uh, and, and all of a sudden we had a lime tree in our backyard and I was super excited. And and I was like, oh my gosh, we're gonna just pick limes. This is incredible. Well, I picked one, I cut it. It did not taste like a lime. What I did not realize it was an orange tree. They just were small and not ripe yet. Okay, um, that was funnier than I thought, okay. Uh, go to that picture, okay? This is kind of what it looked like, right? It's, it's already there. We did not plant it. And this was cool. Once it, it bloomed, we had oranges. And they were delicious. And I, it was like my dream. We had a citrus tree in the yard. I was so Californian. Anyway, it's a little smaller than this, but about this size. And it would produce, every year it would produce about 15, 20 oranges. And my wife and I would eat them all in like two weeks. And it was great. Uh, And then one day I come home and the tree is like totally cut down. It's not cut down, but all the branches, like on the lower two thirds were gone. I was like, what happened to our tree? She goes, oh, I was talking to someone. There's was like an expert on pruning. They said, our tree is in really bad shape. like, No, it's not. It's a great little bush. It produces 15 to 20 oranges. And I can just keep going with that said, no, 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 that's not the way, this tree won't grow at all. If we just leave it like that, it's, it's too low. It's just growing out down here and there's not, it's not growing high enough and the base is not growing large enough for it to be able to sustain any sort of growth. But if we cut like the lower two thirds, even the ones that had oranges on them, that was hard for me, it was painful for me to see branches that had oranges on them get cut <laughs> off. It's very, very painful. I will admit there was something in me that just did not like that. It's like, no, no, you gotta trust me on this. And believe me, she's a good person to trust. She's right most of the time, um, all the time. Uh, and so I was like, okay, okay, we're gonna have to trust in this situation. She's explaining, you gotta you got cut it. You gotta cut some of these branches back so that the top can grow high. And, it can get, and this is a tree that was about three feet tall. But if we, if we prune the bottom of it, and we allow all the growth to come up the main stem into what we call the top of the canopy, that that will grow up and that will grow out, and our three-foot-tall tree will eventually be a 30 to 35-foot-tall orange tree covering a span of about 25 feet outward. Now, that sounded cool, but all I could see was the loss of the oranges. (laughs) Well, she was right. We had to wait a little while, but next harvest season, the top had grown. The tree had already gotten about a foot taller to grow more. And, and even one year later, we had more oranges coming from the top. And the next year, we got two seasons before we had to move away from this orange tree. And the next year, the tree had grown really, really big. We also had one avocado tree I tried to grow. That was a disaster, by the way. Never. There was one avocado that was produced, and it was black. Um <laughs> It did not grow. But this orange tree was growing like crazy. And, and I started looking at pruning. Okay, what does pruning actually do? Okay, and the great Wikipedia tells us this. This is what pruning actually does. And this is why I think Jesus uses this in such a strong analogy. Pruning improves tree health and strength. Pruning for health involves removing diseased or insect infested wood. Typically it involves thinning the crown to increase airflow and reduce pest problems and removing crossing or rubbing branches. Pruning encourages trees to develop a strong structure and reduces the likelihood of damage during severe weather. All of these actions encourage growth of the main trunk. Pruning is also done to improve appearance and produce growth. So pruning does. It sounds great when it's time to harvest hundreds and hundreds of oranges. The pruning part is not as fun as we would think. To relate this back to our life, my guess is you came in here in one of three places tonight. Now, I know not everyone fits into three categories, but my guess is you came in here tonight in one of these three places. Okay, number one, you came in the doors tonight kind of exploring this idea of Jesus, the idea of a relationship with Him, or maybe you just came for the free tacos. Someone invited you here tonight, you're figuring out what this looks like. God, I don't know. There's a lot of question marks. I look around the world. It looks crazy. How could God exist? I I got all kinds of questions. I would never call myself a Christian or a follower of Jesus. I'm just coming in to check this out. I hope I don't get judged in this place. I want you to know I'm excited that you're here. Welcome. This is a place for you. This is a place for you to discover what it is that you believe and what you think. And hopefully you can do that with feeling loved and encouraged by a community here. I love that you're here. This is not a message of go clean yourself up and then come and join us. You have to be good enough. And once you're good enough, then you can come be accepted by Jesus or by us. That's the wrong message. That is not the message of Jesus Christ. Okay, the message of Jesus Christ is remain in me, seek me, get to know me a little bit. I just want a relationship with you. Abide in me, remain in me. That's the message of this text. Make your home with me and discover the life that I have for you because the life that I have for you is so great. And it may not happen all at once in the moment, but come and discover it. And if you are in that place, I'm so happy you're here. I'm so happy you're here. I just invite you to to remain on that journey. It's a good journey. It's it's hard to do, but I hope you stick with it. And I hope this is a place that you can do it. Please do not think that you need to in some way go prune stuff out of your life, yourself, or clean yourself up in order to be accepted. There's probably a second group of people here as well. I guess some of us come here tonight excited about the idea of pruning. Excited about God looking into our life and, 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 and doing some things, changing some things. We know that some of the things that we are hoping to draw life from are not producing the life that we thought they would. We're in desperate need. We want Jesus, Jesus, I'm wide open. Man, I've been, it's been crazy. I'm ready for you to start doing some things. Please start pruning. If that's a place that you're at, awesome. That is a great place to be. You should not feel shameful or feel guilty about, about things going on in your life that may not be life-giving. That is not from God. I love vulnerability. I love people that come in and go, hey, I want God to do something. How do I experience this more? I want to start over. I want something new. I know he brings this new life. I wanna start experiencing it. Is he pruning something in me? Am I pruning something? Like, where, where do I go from here? Keep coming in. Keep asking questions. That posture of humility is such a great way to come to Jesus and allow him to bring life into our world. Now, there's probably a third group of people as well. And this might be the harder group. This might be a little bit harder to reach. Um, what I say, it's the harder group to reach. If you came here at night and you're like, man, I'm doing all right. I'm doing, in fact, I'm doing more than all right. I'm doing good. I'm, I'm doing real good. I have, I kind of got my life figured out. I'm on a great track right now. You know what? I, I'm in my major, I'm getting good enough grades. I have a job lined up. I got a boyfriend, I got a girlfriend. I'm already starting to pay off my student loans. I got a plan and I am good. I'm just gonna keep cruising. God, I don't need you to do anything in my life. I got friends though who are messed up. If you wanna do something, you start with them. You start with those people back there. When you're done with them, maybe you can come work on me but I'm doing pretty good. I don't need you to bring anything new in my life. In fact, let's just do the same thing we did last year. I'm already good. People are trying to get to where I'm at right now. The problem with following Jesus, the frustrating thing sometimes about following Jesus is that even when we are successful, He says, I got something new for you. And he will call us from comfort to mission. And if we're not careful, we can allow our comfort and our desire for success to keep us from seeing the new thing that Jesus wants to do in our life because that's what he's about, bringing new life. Even when we think we don't need it. Problem with success is that it gets us feeling like we're such a big deal that we miss out. We don't want God, uh uh-uh. I'm I'm cool. I don't need you to do anything new in my life. Just don't mess with my plan. If I give you this, what if it's not as good? What if following you? What if it's not as good as the plan that I have? I got a pretty good plan for my life. I call it the blockbuster syndrome. How many of y'all know what blockbuster is? All right, let me tell you, for those of you that didn't raise your hand, you're probably too young to know. Blockbuster used to be this place. Okay, there was one right by U Village how do I explain Blockbuster? You took these, uh, these little rectangles. Okay. We called them VHS tapes. And what you did is you put them in a bigger rectangle and it played a movie at your house. And in order to get one of these, you went to a place called Blockbuster and Blockbuster was awesome because you missed out. On the blockbuster world. If you went to UW in 2004, 5, say like me, what you did on a Friday or Saturday night, if you didn't have something else going on, you gathered a bunch of friends, maybe a date, maybe a double date, and you went down to Blockbuster. And it was great. Guys, they had thousands of movies everywhere. You had different sections. You had comedies, you had new releases, you had horror movies, and you just kind of hang out in Blockbuster and you'd see people you knew. And some people would dress up because they knew they were going to run into other people. And, and sometimes you'd be at Blockbuster like two hours trying to decide which movie to get. And at the end of the night, you had more fun hanging out at Blockbuster than you did even watching the movie. Guys, in 2000, Blockbuster had 9,000 stores around the world. They made $8 billion, 800 million of that came from late fees. (laughs) A lot of them were mine, 800 million in late fees. That's a lot of money. They were big time. In 2000, this little startup company comes to Blockbuster and they say, hey, I got an idea. What if instead of people coming to Blockbuster, we sent, we, we're gonna do DVDs now, okay? And we're gonna send the DVDs to their house. They don't even need to come in the store. Blockbuster said, what? Like people love coming in the store. This is their favorite. They hang out in the store and we sell popcorn and, and, and candy. People spend extra here. We are not gonna do that. That's just a money loser. We're Blockbuster. Next year, same little startup company comes back. They say, hey, we got an idea. We're gonna keep going with this, okay? We're gonna send them DVDs in the mail and we won't even charge late fees. If people can if people keep the movie as long as they want. And they asked Blockbuster to buy them out for $50 million, a tiny amount compared to what they were doing at the time. Blockbuster said, man, people love to pay our late fees, it makes them feel good. Like they can get a new movie that way. We love late fees. What are you talking? That's 800 million dollars in revenue that we are making every year, just off their late fees. People don't want to stay at home and get their DVDs. Well, you guys know how this story ends. 2013, Blockbuster shut their 9,000th store. This little company some of you guys didn't figure this out yet. It's called Netflix. They're doing all right. <laughs> They're doing all right. Sometimes we think we're so big. We think our plan is so important. I think that this idea of success in our mind is such a big deal that we miss the new thing that Jesus wants to do in our life. It's so much greater gives us the opportunity to start over, find life in him. That orange tree I was talking about, I just have this vision of one day. That thing, if we would have stayed in that house, that thing being 30, 35 feet tall. Here's the thing. You can look at that bush, that, that little orange tree that's this high. Say, man, I love, I love where I'm at. It's good enough. I'm just going to stay here because it's comfortable. I like my 15 oranges a year. You can allow God to do something in your life through his spirit, through his word, the way that he teaches us, the way that he moves in us, the way that he gives us opportunities for something new in him. With an opportunity to be that tree. Life from death, it's a very difficult thing. But death is, is, is exactly the place that we find Jesus when he wanted all of us to experience a new life, a death that he paid for us. To bring life so that we could find life, eternal life, but also we could find daily life in a renewal in him.